Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. If you got a, a notebook or a notepad, I hope you do. Uh, we're going to be talking about the lies of loneliness. That's literally what the title is, just because I'm not creative when it comes to titles. And so that's, that's what you got right there, the lies of loneliness. And we're going to be in 1 Kings uh, chapter 19, verses 1 through 13. Now, as you're on your way there, and if you don't have a Bible, don't worry about it. We're going to have it on the screen behind me. But as we're on the way there, a little context of what's happening here. So in the Old Testament, there was these prophets, and one, a famous prophet at that time was Elijah, was an incredible man of God. And uh, one day, uh, the prophet Elijah is challenged by some false prophets. And the reason I say false is because these guys believed in a false god called Baal. And so they were like, hey, we're going to challenge you, Elijah, to see which god is real, ours or yours. And so what they did was they went to this mountain called Mount Carmel and they pretty much put up this, this bonfire and they said, hey, Elijah, you're going to pray. And if your God brings down fire, he's the real God. If our God brings down fire, our God is the real God. And so Elijah, already knowing that his God is real, right? Like we worship every Sunday. We believe our God is true. Our God is amazing. He goes, you know what? You guys go first. Go ahead, do your thing, all that great stuff. There's 450 false prophets. He's, he's by himself, he's out, man. It's, it's a crazy scene. But he goes, hey, you guys go first, do your thing. So these guys, they start doing all these weird rituals. They start dancing and nothing happens. Elijah goes, hey, are, are you guys done? Can, can I go now? Is it my turn? And so he goes and he goes, you know what? This is what I love about Elijah. He's, he's low-key really petty. And so what he does is he goes, hey, can you guys get some water and put it on the wood? Just get a bunch of buckets. Have, it overflow, have the bonfire overflow. So, so the wood now is soaked. It's drenched in water. And he does that to go, hey, even in something impossible, God can do it. And so what does he do? He prays. And we all know the story. Fire from heaven comes down, burns the bonfire, and voila, God is real. It's incredible. Now, that's a pretty awesome moment. <laughs> Look what happens in chapter 19 when word gets out of what Elijah did. It says this in verse 1. You read it from my Bible real quick. It says this. Now Ahab told Jezebel, who was the queen at that time that didn't like Elijah, was not a fan of his, she was told everything Elijah had done and how he killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say this, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow, I do not make your life like that of one of them. So she's like, like so help me Baal, if I don't make your life, if I don't kill you today. Look what it says in verse three, Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he himself, alone, isolated, loneliness, went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he may die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he laid down under the bush and fell asleep. Here's Elijah, went from an incredible miracle from God to now asking God, Instead of fire, he's asking him to take his life. Take my life, God. Kill me now. I, I want my life to end in this moment. It's insane. 
all at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals in a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Look what it says in verse nine. There he went into a cave, was on a mountain, victorious, credible move of God. It's now a cave by himself, making it his home. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? So God's like, what are you, why are you here? What, what's going on? Why are you in this cave? And look at Elijah's reply. I've been very zealous for the Lord, God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, tore down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out, stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And here we see some incredible, incredible things happen before Elijah's eyes. A great and powerful wind tore down the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord wasn't in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Credible story. Who says the Bible isn't relatable? Come on, we've all had great victories and in an instant, wanted to run away from God, wanted to be alone, make a little cave for ourselves and be isolated thinking that will help us. So today, what my prayer is, what my hope is, and I believe that God is gonna continue to move throughout the day and so many people were set free at 9 a.m. Of, of this loneliness lie. Pray that you would understand that the greatest thing you could do today is one, get connected with God and get connected with God's people and see how your life changes. And so let's pray and uh, let's unpack this text together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for today. Thank you for every single person in the building today. God, we believe there's no accidents. There's no coincidences. Every single person here today, under the sound of my voice, God is here because you brought them here, Jesus. And our prayer is that we would live a life in community, in connection with other people that can pray for us, that can help us. But most of all, Lord, we would have a life that's connected to you, Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And pray to anybody here for the first time that doesn't know you, Jesus, they make the greatest decision of their life to have your life, have their life in your hands. So Lord, we love you and we thank you. And everybody said, amen, amen. Along the California coastline, there are some of the largest living organisms in the world, and they're called redwood trees. Maybe you've seen them, maybe you've heard about them. We have a picture of them in the media team. You could put it up. Incredible, magnificent trees. I actually feel like I'm in a forest now going for a stroll. Look at me, hey. And uh, <laughs> that was so stupid. Okay. They're incredible trees. And, and the crazy thing about them, they can get up to 300 feet high and 40 feet around, and they can live for hundreds and hundreds of years. Now, they're magnificent, they're incredible, but the secret to their success, their growth, and their, their, their massiveness is because they only grow in groves. As you can see, every tree is very close in proximity to each other. And what they do is their roots intertwined underneath the ground. And so, for example, when there's storms, there's flooding, there's powerful winds, they extend their roots more than 50 feet under the ground. And they intertwine so they can have strength. 
and literally the secret to their size, their ability, their longevity, that, that power that they have is this. No intertwining, no growth. No connectedness, no strength. And what Redwood Trees can show us today and what they illustrate is there's power in connection. It's power in connection. And, and what happens, is what, I've, what I've noticed in society, what I've noticed in the church world, is that sometimes we tend to think the opposite, though. That disconnection is healthy. That disconnection is why I find freedom. In disconnection, I find peace. Right? Like, like we could say things where I, I, I work better by myself. Anybody better think that I work better? I, I, I don't like people to be hands-on. I like to micromanage. I like to, I like to be in control. And, and if there's more people in the room and there's so many people in the kitchen, I, I just can't. I get, I, get, I get like super stressed. I'd rather do it by myself. Uh, let me be alone, please. Or maybe you feel like you're self-made and everything that you got was because of you. Me, 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 myself. I, I did everything. I didn't need anybody else. I didn't need anybody help. I'm self-made. Or I know best. I know to do in every situation. I feel like I know what's best as a parent. I know what's best as a friend. I know what's best as a leader. I know best as a fill in the blank. That I don't need noise around me. If I have more privacy, I'll be less stressful. And if I can isolate, and if I can be by myself, and if not, I think it's people in my life bring drama, right? So if I don't have to be around people, I have less drama. And what happens is we think that being alone and isolation is actually the solution to all of our problems when it's not. It's not. This connection is not the answer. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. There are moments, right? We need silence. We need, we need time with the Holy Spirit. We need our prayer time. We need to go take vacations with our, with our family, with our, with our wives. With our, like, you know what I mean? There's, there's times where getting away isn't harmful. It's staying away that's dangerous. Right? Staying away that's dangerous. Don't get me wrong. You need silence. You need solitude. All that stuff is great. But what happens is loneliness, it works for a limited time, but it's not, it's not healthy as a lifestyle. Like if you're a lonely person, isolated by myself, me, 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 I don't need anybody else. The more I'm away from my family, the, the, the better I'm off. The more I'm away from my friends, my connect group doesn't know me. I, people don't understand me. I'm better by myself. Here's the thing. That's, that's not how God created you. In your DNA, there's something inside of you that desires community, desires people, desires relationships. And when we go away from that, we experience problems. Look what it says. This is what's crazy about the Bible. In the beginning of time, the first problem wasn't sin. It was solitude. Look what it says in Genesis 2.18. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I'm not very smart, but not good is bad, right? Like, that's what it means. Like, it's not a good thing. It's not, like, it's not good for man to be alone. So what am I, I'm going to make a helper suitable for him because we need help. We need helpers in our life. We need encouragers in our life. We need prayer warriors in our life. We need people that are going to correct us, tell us things we may not want to hear, but need to hear so we don't ruin our lives because we're not meant to live alone. Now, this is not just a today's church problem. This has been a problem in the church since the New Testament. Look what it says in Hebrews 10, verses 24 to 25. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. 25, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. So some people have a habit 
of not, I'm going to isolate myself. I'm not going to church today. I'm not going to connect group today. I'm, I'm going to be by myself. I need alone. I need me time, spa day, all that stuff. That's great. But, but make sure you don't, you don't make it a habit in your life now is isolation alone by yourself. No help. Nobody to help you when you're knocked down and you're asking and hoping what, what went wrong here. And you realize it's because you stopped. You neglected your meeting together. Don't, don't neglect that. In your DNA, you need connection. And science, because God uses science, he created science, he will tell us that the moment we go, we go against his design, we experience pushback. There's turmoil. There's, when, when you go against the word of God, when you go against his design for things and how he created the earth to be and how he created humanity to be, there's going to be problems. And, and look what happens with loneliness. The effects of it are, are actually, it's mind-boggling how severe loneliness, if that's a part of your life, how it can affect you. Loneliness was associated with higher rates of depression, anxiety, and suicide. Lonely individuals report higher levels of perceived stress, even when exposed to the same stressors in, in that experiment, as non-lonely people. Even when they're relaxing. You can be relaxing, but have no friends and still be stressed. You can be isolated and think that's where peace comes from, but then you realize, like, this stinks. This is not fun. It's not what I thought. I thought detaching myself from my family, getting away from the people that, that say they love me would, would make me feel better and, and I'm alone and I can't even relax in peace. Loneliness destroys the quality and efficiency of sleep so that it is less restorative, both physically and psychologically. The, the lonely wake up more at night and spend less time in bed actually sleeping than do the non-lonely. This is a crazy one right here. Social isolation significantly increased a person's risk of premature death from all causes. A risk that may rival those of smoking, obesity, and physical inactivity. Loneliness it can literally kill us. Because we are going against how God designed us to, to, to be around people that can help us, that can help. Like, I'm, not, I'm not saying that every group is perfect. Nobody is. Even this church family, our church is not perfect. But thank God, when I feel like I'm going through something, I can pick up the phone and call my mom and call my dad and call some youth leaders and call my pastors and say, hey, can you help me? Can you pray for me? Because I feel like... I'm going down a dark path and I don't want to ruin my life. I don't want to ruin my marriage. I don't want to ruin my family. Can't live by ourselves. We can't live lonely. It's just a lie. That's not how God created us to live. And here's the thing. Maybe you're saying, well, Phil, you're a little, this is a little harsh. Like my loneliness is just a phase, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm just disconnecting and, you know, it's just a season of my life. That's cool. But don't let that phase become a pathway. Do your thing. Do you. All right, cool. You need time. You need, oh, that's great. But make sure it doesn't become your lifestyle. It doesn't lead you down a dangerous path where you no longer come to church. You no longer come to Connect Group. You don't serve anymore. You don't even think about Jesus no more. You're posting some crazy stuff on IG. And it's like, what happened? It's because I needed to disconnect. And we forget that, that disconnection doesn't help us get closer to God. No, it's, it's being in his presence. It's being with his people. It's being surrounded even though it hurts and it doesn't feel good. That's when we're closest to God because we're closest to his people. It's the beauty of the church. It's the beauty of, of community. And you see, Elijah was on that path. He went from Mount Carmel having, praying that God would bring fire from heaven. What a prayer. Some of you pray that for 
That's happened to people. But and it's like, yo, this is an incredible prayer where God brings fire down, shows himself to be real, and and just how do you not like celebrate? I would start singing, dancing, jumping. I'd be all over the place with joy. But the moment fear creeps into his heart, he forgets how good God is and chooses to drop his calling, forget his anointing, forget his mission, and run and run and run and run and run. Leave his servant. Hey, you, you, you get out of here. Go somewhere else. And I'm going to go. He just, he just disconnects. And what that journey leads him to is now what? A cave. Went from a mountaintop to a cave by himself, forgetting his calling, forgetting what, that he is literally the, a prophet that God is using to help people. He gave it all away because of some fear. And thought that isolation would be, would be the saving grace over his life. That if I run away, Queen Jezebel can't find me and so I'll be safe. And here he is now in a cave. And I, and I really sense this. I said this at the 9 a.m., but as I was preparing this message, I really feel like there's people in here and your life looks like a cave. Like you could be in church and still feel like you're in a cave. You could be in a crowd and still feel like you're in a cave. Like you could put a smile on. You could fake it like the best of them, but you're hurting and you feel alone. You feel like nobody gets you. You feel like nobody understands you. You feel like nobody's hearing you. You feel like nobody's by your side. You just feel like all around you is darkness, it's loneliness. And all you're doing is sitting in this cave, talking to yourself, which is never a good thing. And thinking about what you could have said, what you could have done. If I would have done this better, if I would have done this, and just making things from bad to worse to worse to worse but here's my hope and prayer is that today you will make this this decision that i believe will change your life forever no matter how hard it is you would make a decision take a step to get out of the cave of loneliness and get into a community of love not a perfect community not a have it all together community but the church the bride of christ that you would see that there's a hope and a future for you amongst all of us that you're not perfect i'm not perfect but we got each other and miami needs a, a united church together uh, uh, miami needs a united calvary miami needs not just my voice, it needs your voice, your family, your marriage, to be an example of how good God is, even to people who don't deserve it. It's a community of love. I'm not saying that there's going to be days where you're going to be frustrated with your connect group. You probably remember, maybe right now you are. You're frustrated with your connect group. You're frustrated with your dream team members. You're, you're, you're frustrated with people who are Christians, and you're like, because nobody's perfect. But that's not an excuse to disconnect and to run away and to think that you can do better on your own because you're just as messed up. I'm just as messed up without community. We need a community of love. And not love where it's like, like real. Like I just, I just feel like we need, we need more people in our lives that are gonna help us not crash our lives into a dead end. Like we just need that. Like, like husbands, we need, we need men in our lives that are gonna make sure that when you have temptation, like yo, you're a married man. You made a decision on that wedding day. You better, you better delete that number, delete that. Like, like, I need somebody in my life to tell me these things, to be like, hey, you're not ruining your calling. You're not ruining your anointing. Like, like you're a married man. You're about to be a father. Like, I need that. That's love to me. That's just... Like, I get it. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm very, like, I have low self-esteem, so it's always nice to hear, like, words of affirmation, but I need people that are going to help me from not ruining my life. And that's why you need a community of love. And if you're here today, that's, that's my prayer, that you would get in that, make a decision not to live that lie of loneliness. 
And it starts with God and knowing how awesome he is and how amazing he is. Look what it says in Psalm 68, verses five through six. It says, he's the father to the fatherless, defender of widows. This is God whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. Your family abandoned you, God's got another family for you. God, God, your, your friends abandoned you, God's got another group of people that are going to love on you, and they're going to treat you right, and they're going to lift you towards your God-given purpose. It's okay. It's okay if people leave you, abandon you, but don't make that an excuse and not believe that God can do better. God's got you. God's with you. That's who he is. Loves you so, so much that he doesn't want you to live in that lie of loneliness and suffer that pain that it is to be by yourself in your own thoughts and think that nobody and everything around you is pointless. So how do we do this? How do we fight the lie of loneliness? I think it starts with calling them out. Like, what are these lies that we speak about ourselves? What are these lies that when they creep into our mind, we believe? Let's call them out, call them for what they are, a lie, and then make sure we are with people, we are, we are connected to God, to his word, in, with the, in tune with the Holy Spirit, that when these lies start to creep in and try to be a cancer and spread across, no, no, we cut it off before it even gets into our soul. And so I'm going to just go over three lies that I believe that are happening in this story that maybe can re- just resonate in your heart. There's many, many lies. But I think all of us, whether today or in our past, or, or just, again, the reoccurring lies. We've all said this, or we've all felt these type of things. And I want us to realize these are lies. We're not, gonna, we're not going to magnify these lies. We're going to call them out and defeat them in the name of Jesus. The first one is this. No one will miss me. No one will miss me. No one will miss me. Here's, here's the crazy thing of our story, right? Like, Queen Jezebel, she, she puts a threat out on Elijah, but what, what's kind of like interesting is that why wouldn't she, if she wanted to, why would she send a message where she could have sent soldiers to kill Elijah since they're in the same city? She could have had it done instantly. Because here's the thing, Queen Jezebel, she was a cunning strategist. She knew this about Elijah. She knew that if he was the prophet of God, that making him a martyr would only grow his influence. That making him a martyr, martyr would only grow the message of God and make more people believe in God. So what does that show you? The, the truth is, is that Elijah's life mattered. That his absence would be noticed. But the problem was with Elijah is that he believed a false narrative that he created in his mind. The moment, the moment he got that message, Queen Jezebel's plan worked. He got scared. He threw up everything. Gave up everything. Can you imagine? He's probably like, okay, I got to go. This day he's going to kill me. Forget the people. Forget God's plan. Forget his mission. No one's even going to care if I'm gone. Like, I'm probably going to do them a favor by being gone. I'm out of here. We even said he left his servant. Somebody was, that was with him that was supposed to help. He left him. He's like, I don't, no one's going to care about me. I'm out. What does he do? He runs. He, he forgets about others. He forgets about his mission. And he goes and he goes and he goes and he goes. And I'm probably thinking... What I think, he's probably like, I, no one's going to miss me. I got to think about myself. I, I, you know, I can't, I can't focus on what's happening now because my life is in danger. Here's the thing. When we face opposition, when we face tension, when trouble comes into our life, we can believe the same thing. That it's better for us to leave and nobody will miss us. It's better for us to disconnect. Nobody will think about us. And what we do is we create this false narrative. It's called the what if world, Right? We put words in people's mouths. 
We create scenes like movie directors of, of, of things that we think are happening when we're not around, right? Come, you sit there, you, you, like what, what, if, what if my wife doesn't really love me? What if my friends really don't care about me? They say they, they, they're missing me at the party, but I'm not there. And I didn't, you know, maybe, what, what, are they talking, what if they're talking about me? What if they actually don't like me? What if they don't care about me? It's what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if isn't real? So you can go down that route of what if and what if until your, your, your brain over fries and then, then you just become a person where it's like you're always negative and you think worse about people or you could trust God and trust that they're your friends and move on with your life. And say, no, I gotta believe this. I can't, I can't. Or you gotta have conversations that you need to have. But, but don't live in this what if world because here's the truth. The truth is just, just like for Elijah, the same as for us. People were waiting for Elijah. People were gonna wonder where he went. Why? He's the prophet. How are we going to hear from God? Where's Elijah? He's our man. He's the one that tells us everything. He's the messenger. If we don't have Elijah, then who's going to tell us about what God wants us to do with our lives, with our, with our next steps? What, where is Elijah? So yeah, he can believe no one's going to miss him, but the truth is they're going to be waiting for him to come back and wait for his instructions. And the same thing is with you. Somebody is waiting for your phone call. Somebody is waiting for your text. Somebody is waiting for your prayer. Somebody is waiting for you to step up and say, hey, are you okay? But you know what happens? I feel like the Holy Spirit just put, I, this is what happens. Well, why should I reach out to them? They never reach out to me. Why would I text? They never text me. They never call me. Why should I go out of my way? And what happens is that mindset, listen to me, it'll block the healing God has for you if you stay bitter. If you stay bitter and if you have that mindset, you will always be angry and frustrated and you don't realize that people are busy too. And just because no one texts you or calls you doesn't mean they don't love you. But you rather, because if you don't want to be lonely and you don't want to go through these things, you got to be, you got to be the bigger person and say, you know what, I'm going to, I need prayer. I'm going to reach out to them so they can pray for me. And you can be set free of that bitterness because the bitterness will block the healing that you so desperately are praying for. So don't wait, don't wait, don't wait, don't wait. Don't be, don't let your pride, don't let that, don't self-sabotage your healing. And reach out to somebody because you will be missed and you do matter on this planet. I don't know what you've been told over your life. I don't know what your family, I don't know what your upbringing was like, but you matter to God so much that he sent his son to die for you because he loves you, not as a guilt trip, not as like, oh, I sent my son, so do something for me. No, it's because I love you so much and I don't want to see you hurt anymore. And I want to know that you're going to be in heaven with me, worshiping, and you're going to have everlasting life. You are important to me. It's a lie from the enemy. Second one is no one cares about me. No one cares about me. No one cares about my life. No one cares about my passions. No one cares about my dreams. No one cares about my, my goals and, and my, what God has for me. No one cares. See, when God comes up to Elijah, he goes, Elijah, what are you doing here? Like, what, what, how do we get here? What's going on? Look at Elijah's response, because I think a lot of us respond the same way. Verse, verse 9, he goes, what are you doing here, Elijah? He goes, I've been very zealous for the Lord, God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. Oh, God, everything is going, going wrong. I am the only one left. He wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't the only prophet that God used at that time. He wasn't the only prophet that was speaking for God at that time. And he goes, they are trying to kill. Who's they? 
Last time I checked, Queen Jezebel was the only one that sent that message. And her intent was never to kill you. It was to scare you. But you know what happens, friends, is that isolation makes every problem an exaggeration. We just think and we think and it's like, man, this, man, I, I messed up pretty bad. Man, is my life going to be together? Am I going to, am I going to, am I going to, can I bounce back from this? Can, like, how am I going to live? How, gonna, how am I going to, my financial situation, I'm, my, my, my credit, my, like, how am I going to, and we just sit there and we think like we're our own therapist and we try to talk ourselves and encourage us and we're not good encouragers. We're not. And so everything gets worse and worse. And it's like, at the end of the day, then you start watching the news and you're like, oh my God, like we're gonna, like the world's ending tomorrow. That's it, we're done. Everything's gonna be burnt to the ground. Like that's, like who do we, who do we have that we can talk to? Like, hey man, I'm going through something. And then you need people in your life. You're like, hey, you need to calm down. Like I tell this all the time at our youth, like, like when they break up with somebody, it's like the end of the world. It's like, dude, you'll be fine. You're young. It's okay. It's actually better that you broke up so you can do more work. You want to start serving here today? Let's go. Let's get it. Like, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. I'm not downplaying what you're going through. I'm not downplaying. Maybe you are going through something severe. But it can get better. And it, because we, that's, that's the God that we serve, right? We believe it gets better or it doesn't. We believe God is real or he isn't. There's no middle ground. Like, God, I think you could do No, it's like, God, I, I'm hurting right now. And I'm going to you because I need help. Or do you say, God, I'm, you know, I've tried going to you and nothing happened. So I'm just going to stay here and just soak in what I'm going through. Don't have that victim mentality because you're not a victim. No matter what happened to you, no matter what somebody did to you, you are not a victim. Look what it says in Isaiah 41.10. Don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I'm your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. You are victorious. You're not a loser. You're not a shameful person. You are, you are victorious to so start acting like it. No matter how hard it hurts because you got a choice. You can either believe you're victorious or you can keep on living like you're not. The choice is yours. But God does care about you. God does love you. It's the lie we believe, right? Like God doesn't love me, doesn't, he didn't care about me. But notice, if God didn't care about Elijah, who was with him the whole time? Who fed him in his rebellion? Who fed him in his fear? Who gave him rest as he ran away from his calling? It wasn't Genie from Aladdin, it was God. It was God. God was with Elijah, believed in Elijah, didn't give up on Elijah, even though he gave up on himself. So you're a victor. You're not, you're not a victim. Don't, don't, don't give up. Don't give up on yourself because God never will. Third and final line, the band can come up. No one really loves me. No one really loves me. I'm unlovable. I messed up too much. My parents don't care about me. My, my mom, she always says I'm a disappointment. No one, no one really loves me. They say they do, but they show differently. And so I just, I just come to an agreement. No one really loves me. No one really loves me. See, God, what he does in this moment is so powerful, so beautiful, is that he's at the cave with Elijah, and there's a wind, there's an earthquake, there's a fire. These all these crazy things, right, that you would think God would be in them, right? Because we think God only works in the spectacle. Like, God answers my prayer only in the spectacle, it's like, I don't know about you, but that's, that's not how God works in my life. And we get so caught up in the spectacle. God, God, I need you to give me a sign. 
Do something, God. And he can, and if it's, he's sovereign, he can do whatever he wants. But I love about this story is that God wasn't in the spectacle, wasn't in the wind, he wasn't in the earthquake, he wasn't in the fire, he was in the whisper. Now, why is that significant? Well, when somebody whispers to you, the, the intent is for what? For the person receiving the whisper to get close enough to hear it. Like, I don't whisper for everybody to hear, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I whisper for one person to hear and they gotta get close. They, they, gotta, they gotta make a, there's gotta be some steps. They gotta make a move. They gotta, they gotta get close to me so I can tell them the whisper. What happened? I mean, God was in the whisper and immediately Elijah went out of the cave because he couldn't hear God. He wasn't in the fire, he wasn't in the wind, he wasn't in the earthquake, but he was in the whisper and he had to get out. He had to make a step. He had to say, okay, you know what? I've been here too long. This is not my home. This is not where I belong. This is not where, I, this is not where God intended me to have. He's trying to do something in my life. He wasn't trying to intimidate Elijah. He wasn't trying to scare Elijah. He loved Elijah. He wants to use Elijah. He followed him all the way to this cave. But Elijah had to make that step. Because God could have whispered, but Elijah could have been like, nah, you know what? I'm not going to make it. I'm, I'm going to stay here. He, he made a step. And here's what I want you to know is that I think the whisper God is trying to tell all of us today here is that he knows what you're going through. Like you feel like you're in that cave and you're in that cave because you're like, why can I, I can't worship a God doesn't know what I'm going through. He's never been through what I've been through. The truth is Jesus is that connection between you and your pain because he's been through it. He's been through it. It's crazy the story about Jesus. Jesus is the bridge between us and God and we can't get to God without Jesus. So what did Jesus do? He became lonely. What do you mean? Well, he came down to earth. He was ministering. He was teaching. He was doing all these things. But he knew that one day he had to go on the cross. Not, not the disciples. Not, not the whole Christian. No, he. He was the only one that could do it. So Jesus goes on that cross. And last time I checked, his disciples ran away, right? There, nobody stayed to help. His family wasn't there until after he died. Even his father left him. Now here's the thing about God before we start making judgments. God, two things. God did it because he couldn't stand to see his son hurting. And two, God can literally not be with sin. And Jesus was about to endure the sin of the world on him. And God cannot be with sin. He can't look at it. And Jesus was about to endure it all. Your sin, my sin in that moment. And so guess what? Jesus, for, the, for a moment in history, was the loneliest man on planet earth ever. And the reason I share that story is not to give you a guilt trip and not to give you shame. The Holy Spirit can convict. Let him do that. I'm not here to do that. All I'm here to tell you is that Jesus went on that cross and died alone so you would never have to live alone. Simple as that. He's like, I'm going to take your place. So, so now you cannot be alone and not live in the lie of loneliness and not live by yourself, isolated, get, getting lost in your thoughts. Jesus saying, hey, let me take care of this. You can't do this on your own. You can't do this by yourself. So let me help you succeed. You feel lonely here today? Jesus is the answer. You feel like you're isolated, there's no hope for you. You feel like no one loves you, no one's gonna miss you, no one's gonna care about you. Jesus loves you. He does care about you so much that he gave up his life for you and me. 
And so we can have two choices. We can either continue to believe the lies of loneliness or we can rebuke them and start walking in God's truth for our lives every single day. Why don't we stand up to our feet? And before I pray, I just want us to go back into worship. I, I really feel the Holy Spirit's doing some things. I really feel like there's people in their caves. I feel like there's people going through some things. And maybe you have a root of bitterness towards a friend, towards a family member. I really believe that my voice can't help anybody, that my strength can't set you free. But I believe that when we worship and allow the Holy Spirit into our hearts, He does something. He changes us. He, he touches the things that we, we hide. He touches the things that hurt and He helps and heals. So the band's gonna lead us in song. And it's a beautiful song. We're talking about arms held high, hearts abandoned. It's the greatest posture you can have to receive healing. It's to say, God, I'm done thinking I'm self-made. I'm done thinking I'm strong enough. I'm done thinking I can do things better by myself. And so what am I going to do? I'm going to surrender and trust you, not me. I'm going to trust you. So in this moment, as we go back into song, and the band, you can start leading us now. As we go back into song, I want to encourage you, forget to who's to your left, to you, to your right. Lift up your hands, sing as you sing as loud as you want, and let be set free in the name of Jesus here today. Come on, stop believing the lie of loneliness. Stop believing that you're by yourself. God is with you. Let's lift up our hands and let's sing this out. I know I need to. I want to pray for you. I want to believe that the Holy Spirit can help you here today, not next week, not next month. Because loneliness, man, if we don't catch it quick, it can hurt us bad. So if that's you on the count of three, I just want to pray for you. If you can just put your hand, I'm not going to call you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to see who I'm praying for. One, two, three. You lift up your hand. Awesome, awesome. Thank you, Jesus. You see all these hands, Lord. You see all these hands, Lord. 
God, more than just some hands lifted up. These are, these are your children, Jesus, that you so love, you so care for. And I just pray right now in the mighty name of Jesus, God, they will get connected. They would find good friends. They would have reconciliation with their family members. They wouldn't give up on family. They wouldn't give up on their marriage. They wouldn't give up on their friends. They wouldn't give up on church. They wouldn't give up on connect groups. But they would realize that the risk of loneliness is way worse than giving our hearts to community. Pray, Holy Spirit, that you would make a change in their life today, 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 Holy Spirit, in your name. They would get connected to the connecting. They would join a connect group. They would talk to a leader. They would talk to somebody today. They would pick up the phone and pray for some. They would pick up the phone, text somebody that they love them. Remove that root of bitterness, Lord Jesus. In your name, God. Thank you, Jesus. You're healing people in this place, Jesus. We thank you. Amen. Amen. One last group of people, and, and then we'll head out. We'll sing one more song. We'll head out. But I want to pray for people that don't know Jesus. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. You, you, uh, you don't consider yourself a Christian. You uh, maybe like maybe off put about religion, but can I tell you like it, what I love about Christianity, what I love about Jesus' relationship with Him is that to me it makes the most sense, right? Because it's so anti-religion in the sense that every other religion will tell you do this and then have peace, do this and then find nirvana, and do this and do that. Jesus goes, I did this, now experience joy. I, I did the cross, I did death, I defeated all that. Now experience life. Experience life. But we have to surrender. That's it. That's all we have to do. We just have to surrender. I say, Jesus, take my life and I'm putting it in your hands and trusting you to do whatever you want because it would be better than anything I could do in my own strength. We talked about already Jesus. He was the son of God. He was perfect, right? But because sin entered the world and, and you and I are sinners, and right off the bat, we can't be with God. God loves us, He cares about us, we're His children, but we're separated because sin, and God can't even look at sin, He can't even be around sin. But Jesus, because He loves you and He wants you to have a relationship with God and experience a life with God, He gave up His life. Jesus came down to earth, was born as a baby, grew up to be a child, a teenager, and as a man. And for three years, his ministry was teaching, healing, casting out demons, all this crazy stuff that was beautiful and wonderful. But his main mission was to die on the cross for you and for me. Jesus was arrested, did nothing wrong. He was perfect. He was fully man, but also fully God. Did nothing wrong, made no mistakes. But he gave up his life. So he was arrested. He was illegally tried. He was abused. He was mocked. He was spat on. He was, he was, it was utter, utter humiliation. It's what we deserve as sinners. There's nothing good about us. Doesn't matter what house you have, doesn't matter how your family is, doesn't matter, we're all sinners and sin makes us bad. And we can't do anything on our own strength, only Jesus can. So Jesus, he's on that cross, alone like we talked about. He takes his last breath, it is finished. It is finished, he says. They take his body, they put it in a tomb. For three days, it looks like there's no hope, right? For three days, it's like, where's Jesus? He said he was going to come back. Was he a liar? Did he, did he really say? Did he really mean what he said? But we all know, and what we celebrate when we worship, and what gives us joy for heart is that he did not stay dead. And when they unveiled the tomb, and they were like, where's the body at? Jesus was not there because he resurrected, he defeated sin, he defeated death for you and for me. We believe, he, we believe that Jesus is alive today. He's moving. He's, he's, he's here. 
So what I'm gonna ask you is this, if you wanna make a decision to follow after Jesus, you wanna literally hand the keys to your life to Jesus, I wanna help you with that. So with every eye closed, every head bowed, if you're saying, Phil, I need Jesus, I need forgiveness for my sins. I wanna know that one day I'm gonna spend eternity in heaven that I have the promise of everlasting life. Not the temporary life that we have here on earth, but everlasting life with Jesus. That I won't be alone, that Jesus is gonna be with me, he's gonna protect me. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. He's gonna open up my eyes to more wisdom. He's gonna bless me abundantly, all these amazing things. But first you gotta get rid of that sin. So if that's you, you're saying, Phil, I need to change. I'm, I'm, I'm ready, I'm ready. I'm not waiting for next month, not next week. I wanna give my life to Jesus. On the count of three, with nobody looking around, nobody embarrassing anybody, I'm not gonna call you out. But if that's you, I want you to raise your hand so we can pray for you. On the count of three, one, two, three, you lift up your hand. God bless you, I see you, man. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. God bless you, God bless you, I see you. God bless you, I see you. Praise Jesus. Awesome, awesome. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, if you raised your hand, maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you, you, you've, in your heart, you, you know you need to make the decision. You can pray this prayer too, if it's sincere, if you believe it. This is a prayer, it's just, we believe it's helping you facilitate your first prayer to Jesus, but, but it's not a magical prayer, right? Like it's not this crazy, it's just you talking to Jesus. We just wanna make this first prayer easy for you. So church, we know we do this every Sunday to repeat after me prayer and it goes like this, Lord Jesus, I open my heart invite you inside to be my friend, to be my savior, to be my God. Forgive me of my sins, wash me clean. From this day forward, I wanna follow you all the days of my life. Jesus, I thank you and I love you. And everybody said, come on, let's put our hands together. And that went up, praise God, amazing. Thank you so much, Yoli. Hey, really believe it, the, the best decision you can ever make. Your life will never be the same. And maybe you're like, I have a bunch of questions. What, what, what did I just do? What's, what's gonna happen? Like, if, should I be concerned? Like, no, it's awesome. A relationship with Jesus is the best thing ever. I know I could put the, I could put the mic in so, many people's, in so many people's hands that made the same decision as you and say, hey, it's the best decision. Even on hard days, it's still the best decision I've ever made. So we know you have a lot of questions. We know that you may be wondering what's happening. Here's what I want to do. After service, before you go into your car, before you stop by the youth cafe and get some food, it's delicious, it's awesome. Before you do all that, go to our Connect team. They're incredible, they're amazing, and get a free Bible. We really believe that once you have a Bible, you can understand what this life of Christianity looks like. And what I love about this Bible, it's super easy to read. There's resources for you. There's notes on how to pray, what is faith, things that are so simple but maybe so daunting for us as we begin this relationship. You can have it in the palm of your hand and it'll bless your life. And I just want to thank all the church because of your tithes and offerings. We can give countless Bibles away for free every single Sunday. And so thank you so much, church. I appreciate that. As well as our pastors. But hey, let's Let's not believe the lie alone on this. Come on, no matter how hard it hurts, no matter what turmoil or tension we have with, with our mom, our dad, our, our kids, our family, like whatever, whatever it is, let's squash it. We, we got too much life, but there's, there's too much at stake. Our mission is too important. Our calling is too important to give it up, to live in isolation and throw it all away. And so today I just pray that you would just make the step this week, make the changes you gotta make, do what you gotta do and avoid living the lie of loneliness, amen? 
So we're going to sing one more time. Let me pray for you one last time. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. We pray the Holy Spirit that you will start to move things in our lives. Help us to get more, become more like you, Jesus. So Lord, we love you and we thank you. And we sing it out one more time. Let's go.